Hey, this is part two of our interview with Paul Young. It's so good, guys. It's so good. Uh, I'm not going to spend any time introducing it. Just Let's just get going, and uh, we appreciate you. We hope this blesses. So when you read the Bible, because we, um, we live in the South, <laughs> um, and have, you know, like Thomas said, we've both grown up um, a part of a church that it's often Father, Son, and Holy Scripture. Yep, yep, Holy Bible. Uh, yeah. Yeah, and, and like you said, I love what you just said, that, that people people don't believe the Bible. They believe what they've been taught about the Bible. Um, or maybe I, you said something to that extent. That's how I, I heard very, it. Very much like that, yes. Yeah, but uh, so when you go to read the Word um, uh, uh, and you read it through the relational lens of Jesus and you run up against something that seems very contrary to a God that's always good, how do you how do you navigate that? Ooh, great question. For one thing, I don't read the word. I talk to the word. I read scripture. Uh, okay. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, so, um, and I and 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 I feel That's like good. the disciples on the Mount of Transfiguration that have they have an encounter with Moses, the law, yeah. and Elijah, the prophets, and the voice says, "This is my son. Listen to him." You know, in, in, in the face of the law and the prophets, it's going to be that encounter with a living word who is Jesus. And, and so that's on the one hand of, the, of what you said. The other thing is that how, how do I then, when I see contradiction, and people go, right. there's no contradiction in Scripture. Are you kidding me? <laughs> you know, even Paul contradicts Moses on purpose, you know. Right. And right. so does Jesus. And it's like... Yeah. Um, no, it's, it is not what you think. And, um, so I go back to, you've got to read scripture through the person of Jesus. You cannot, mm. you cannot read scripture thinking that you're going to get a real clarity, especially if you're dealing with the Hebrew scriptures, but here's the deal. Um, and, and I, one of the things that I'm really on, on lately is the whole issue of ontology. What is the truth of our being? And yeah. that whole, wholeness is when the way of our being matches the truth of our being. Yeah. And so what's the truth of our being? Uh, that, and, and, but that originates in what's the truth of God's being, which we don't think about. We just think mm -hmm. in theological terms, and, and then we let our experience define the character and nature of God. Right. Right? Which right. is really uh, back-assward. It, yeah, it's really right. a problem. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, so what is the ontology of God? Well, it's revealed in Jesus to start with. So, but I, I go to the Hebrew scriptures. I go like, okay, well, here's a here's a passage in Samuel, you know, that says Second uh, Samuel fourteen fourteen. It says, um, our lives are like water poured out on the dry ground that is quickly swallowed up. But God does not take away life. But is always looking for ways that any banished one will be restored. Like, wow, that's a beautiful verse, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. in you know, that's in Samuel, and yeah. Samuel also has, and God told them to smite and kill right. all the babies mm. and all right. the women and right. all the animals, right. and then the prophet got pissed off because <laughs> he didn't do a thorough enough job, and they kind of hung out and kept some stuff for themselves. So he killed a whole bunch of people too. And, right. and it's like, mm. okay, we have a problem here. 
what is the ontology of God? Is the ontology of God going to be defined by a statement like God does not take away life? Or is God's ontology, the truth of God's being, going to be defined yep. by um, how we've interpreted our experience? Hmm. Right. Right? So, yeah. so it's, um, and one of my favorite passages to do this with is um, Abraham and Isaac. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Where, yeah. where as a missionary kid, that was, um, that was a passage of scripture that was used to absolutely obliterate my generation as well as other generations. It was, yeah, because it was like, so your parents are going to be put to a test now that they volunteered for Mm -hmm. the mission field. And, (laughs) and, and the test is, is God number one in your life? And so you've got to put what this love that you have for your children, you've got to repress that in such a way that you can prove to God that they're not in competition for his affection. Hmm. Right, that God needs <laughs> needs your love, and to and right. to prove it, right? Yeah, y- you've got to be willing to sacrifice your children on the on the altar, whatever the altar is. Is you're all right. on the altar of sacrifice laid? Yeah, and That's right. and so they did. Our parents sacrificed their kids, and <sighs> and and for generations did that. Yeah, and and yeah. the kids, you know. Missionary kids and third culture kids, they are incredible gifts to the world if they can get past the damage yeah, that was inflicted on them. And, and, and so what is that passage actually talking about? Well, you got to remember that Abraham doesn't come from seminary education. In fact, he came from mm-hmm. Ur of the Chaldees. There's no right. church there. There's no Bible yeah. school. There's no, you know, TBN does not have a station there. Um, <laughs> the, I mean... You know, there's not even bad theology there, right? No, no. There, all there, all there is, is moon, moon god and goddess worship, and right. so, and so, what I like to do is I say on on a scale from A to Z or Z, I'm yes. Canadian, so we As have Canadian, Zs. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Me too. So on a scale of of A to Z, um, where's Abraham when you meet him? In Ur of the Chaldees. Well, he's definitely in A, right? But but he's kind of he's kind of put a foot in B because he hears voices, mm-hmm. and nobody else right. in his church hears voices. Right. Everybody else is just like going along with the whole thing, you know, singing the hymns and all that stuff. And 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 here's Abram, and he hears a voice, and in fact, the voice gets louder and louder until yeah, he he realizes the voice is saying, "Get out of town." So he doesn't know who the voice is, but he's like, "Okay, I'm packing everything up." And I'm getting out of town. And everybody's like, you are nuts. You're just nuts. And he says, well, I'm taking all the God and goddesses of my wives and mine anyway, just to, you know, just because gods are all territorial, you know. So um, you have to take them with you in order to have their their protection and all that. (laughs) Right. So he he leaves town. And and but so he puts his he now puts both feet into B. By faith, he leaves town. Right. And so he's now in B. The thing about being in B is that now you think everybody in A is an idiot, right? Mm. So <laughs> yep. a, a lot of us think that the place we came from are full of idiots. Right. And and because we're better now. We know better right, now. Right. See, we're we're so much more <laughs> right. in the know. We're so much more mm. spiritual. It happened with the charismatics, you know. Sure. They looked at my people who who didn't have that Pentecostal experience as, I'm sorry, you can say all you want, but you actually don't know. 
And the, yes, <laughs> there's there's true. There were a lot of things we didn't know, but there was a lot yeah. of things that they didn't know about forgiveness or that's right. whatever else. And uh, so Abraham, he's like, okay, so he's got a foot in B. When you're in B, everybody in C is an idiot. Uh, they're just weird. C people are weird to B people. Right. A, A people are idiots to B people. And mm. and it's like, no, this is the B church. We're, we're there. Right. And, um, and so that's what he knows. Well, here's one of the most beautiful things about the character and nature of God revealed in Jesus. That this God submits by nature. Mm-hmm. Right? I mean, that yeah. by mm-hmm. itself is like, Oh, let's just camp there and talk all yeah. day yeah. long. Yeah, yeah, no kidding. <laughs> That's exactly how God is related to me. God is constantly yeah. mm. submitted to my stupidity, my wow. survival mechanisms. My God has never said, "Paul, you are so bad at this that wow. I am. I'm just going to take over." You know, and wow. part of me goes like, "Oh, please," yeah. you know. Yeah, and, yeah, and, right. And God's like, uh, "No," because if I yeah. do that. Love will no longer be an option in our relationship. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and it's like, no, I'm I'm submitting to you. So He's never you, tried to control you. Nope. But he never leaves Isn't me or forsakes me. He just won't amazing? he just won't do anything. Wow. And uh, you know, when it's my when it's my idea and my plan and my ministry and my mission and yeah, yeah. my church and all that. So so uh, he, this is a God who submits by nature. The cross is the greatest obvious, most obvious example of that. And uh, right. yeah. And so it's like, um, what's Abraham's language? Because this is a God who loves Abraham, right? What's Abraham's language? And what's the language of all the religious people on the planet? It's sacrifice. See, mm-hmm. we've got a little secret insight because we've listened to the prophets, right? And the prophets showed up way after Abraham's day. Sure. And, and they said, God hates sacrifice. Nothing can actually okay. be resolved by sacrifice. Wow. We brought that to the table. Daniel yeah, says, well, you know, finally, the Messiah will show up and he'll put an end to sacrifice. You know, my people didn't know what to do with that passage. So we, we made it about the Antichrist rather than about Jesus. Right. And right. Uh, wow. I know crazy stuff. But yeah. but again, it's like um, God's like, well, sacrifice is your language. So, Abraham, I want mm. you to sacrifice your son. And like any person whose religious language is sacrifice, they're like, OK. And, and you're going like. Abraham, are you so disassociated from your humanity that you're going to you're going to kill your own son? Right. And the answer is, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I am. It's like the, you know, the industrial military complex. Are are you so blinded by the God of this world who who offers you a promise of personal safety and security that you're willing right. to, to sacrifice your sons and your daughters and right. write hymns to it and all of this stuff. And it's like, uh, yeah. And, right. um, and it's, and so it's Abraham's language is sacrifice language. It didn't matter whether you were an Aztec or an Incan or, you know, believed in Odin and Thor or a Mesopotamian God or an Egyptian God. They're all sacrifice because that's one of yeah. the three essential elements of religion. Yep. Sacrifice, separation, and magic. Those are the three. And, um, <laughs> That's so good. <laughs> they are. And, yeah, they uh, are, yeah. Yep. So, you know, so you're separated from God, so sacrifice is going to help you get across the great divide, and we're going to make a bridge and, and take tickets because you have to have the right magic. Because if you don't yeah, have the yeah. right magic, mm-hmm. then you don't make it across the bridge. And, you know, it's, it's, it's all the basic religious stuff everywhere in the world. Wow. And so, so Abraham... He's, he's like, okay, I'm going to do it. 
and Hebrews says, well, he figured, you know, either God's going to give me a new boy or he's going to raise this one from the dead. And right. <laughs> I mean, the, so it's like, ah, uh, Abraham, really? So yeah. <laughs> then, then he's, he's about to kill his son. His son had to commit himself to it too, because his son is not 12 years old. Right. His right. Son's, son's like 30. And, yeah. uh, yeah. cause right after this happened, they announced the birth of a, of a, of Abraham's uncle had a daughter. Yeah. And, uh, and it turns out to be the wife of Isaac. Right. So they're 30 right. years apart age wise. Yeah. 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 And so the son's got to give himself to the sacrificial system too. Sure. And it's like knife coming down. Mm. God says, stop. And here's the deal. I want you to understand. This is when Abraham learned yes. that God was Jehovah Jireh. First time used the God who sees or the God who provides himself. Right. Mm. Right. And yeah. it's like, Abraham, look, number one, I don't sacrifice children. Let's get that. <laughs> let's get that straight right from the start. I know right, that right. I know that you're stuck in this mindset. So here's That's a right. goat. Here's a goat. Yeah. One day yeah. there'll be a lamb that will take this all away. That's right. right. But for now, yes. here's a goat. Yes. And I'll and I'll teach you how to kill a goat. So it's not a harmful thing. And yeah. um, and I'll teach you a whole bunch of other stuff as an interim step to the revelation yep. of, of who you are in actual relationship with. Right. Yep. But, yep. but don't kill children. Right. And the, and <laughs> right. the sec, and the I'm second like thing that. is if you need a sacrifice, if you need one, yeah. I will provide myself. Mm. That's, that's so Jehovah Jireh. Yep. I will provide myself. I will be present to it myself. Man. And, um, I will see it through myself and, and that's the beauty of that story. It's not a story that justifies the sacrifice of children. No. Every religion wants to sacrifice children. Right. This is about a God. I'm not, I'm not who you think I am. Right? right. So, so yes. there we've got an example of how scripture can be turned on its head to, yeah. to validate our experience yeah. and the damage that we've experienced as human beings in a broken world. And yeah. we paint the face of God with the face of our own brokenness. And mm. even so much when Jesus shows up as the revelation of God and says, I and the Father are one, we, we, we give him a nice nod and we go like, but not really. Because we know right. about that mean SOB. And, 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 and he's a he needs to be appeased and he needs to be sacrificed to. Jesus doesn't, of course. But somehow right. that you can say that without denying the deity of Christ as if he's of a separate nature and character, which feeds right into the early centuries, you know, true uh, falseness of, you know, the, the real heresies of the early century about mm -hmm. the person of Jesus. And um, it's like, no, no, no. He is the exact representation, character and nature, image and reflection of the father. And, um, <laughs> and it's, you know, and once, once that kind of thing is established that, then every time you look at God, if it's if it's contrary to Scripture, going back to your original question, yeah, yeah. What are the options? Oh, God must be an sob, um, you know, vindictive, retributive person. That's one option. Oh, sure. yeah, he he's got he's he's Janus. He's got two faces: one with a smile, and one with a horrifying grin. Right, and <laughs> uh, he's the two-faced God. And, um, or, so what are our options when, when, uh, Samuel is told, you know, here's what we do. Here's what my people did. Well, that's God. That's a mercy killing, right? 
God's going to sure. go, God wants him to just, because all those people are so bad, except for that one prostitute who becomes a great, 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 great grandmother of Jesus. But, you know, everybody else is so bad that uh, he's just going to annihilate them. Genocide. This is a God of genocide. In fact, sure. this is an act of love. Yeah. No, man. Oh, my <laughs> gosh. That's an oh, act man. of love. Yeah. And, and it's like, so what do you do with a passage like that? And you go like, this is in Samuel. This, the, the Hebrew scriptures are not just an unfolding story of the true character and nature of God revealed, but it's the exposure of mm -hmm. the audacious brokenness and blindness of humanity, especially when they wrap the character and nature of God as they believe it is inside of their religious traditions. That's wow. good. Yeah. Right? So yeah. did, did Samuel hear God say to him, kill everybody? The answer is no. <laughs> you know, and yeah, and, and, and yeah. It, I, I love the passage that Paul quotes Deuteronomy. Now, Paul is no slouch when it comes to Hebrew scriptures, right? right? In fact, he's probably at his time after Gamaliel passed away, he's probably the person on the planet who was the expert in the Hebrew scriptures. And and Paul quotes Moses Deuteronomy, but he doesn't quote it accurately. That is, mm -hmm. he doesn't quote it as Moses wrote it. And, right. and, and the rule in interpretation is that uh, repetition without redundancy equals interpretation. And, and so he repeats it, but not exactly, so it's not redundant, and therefore he's interpreting. And what he quotes is the passage in Deuteronomy that says, cursed by God is every man who hangs upon the tree. Paul says, cursed is every man who hangs upon a tree. He takes the by God part off. Huh. He's interpreting Moses. He is mm -hmm. saying when Moses said it was by God, Moses was wrong. Wow. <laughs> wow. Right? He yeah. is saying it's not by God. We're yeah. the ones who do the cursing. Yeah. It's not God who curses anybody. Amen. We curse the man on the tree. And that yeah. agrees with Isaiah, right? We will esteem him stricken by God and afflicted in our blindness. In our when we've turned our face away, we spat on him, we yeah. we killed him, and we will esteem him stricken by God. That's how we're going to explain it. God did this, right? And and yeah. Paul comes along and says, "No, I'm I'm with Isaiah. That's evidence of blindness and lostness and darkness. Moses was wrong." Wow. <laughs> You, uh, there's so much there. I love how you started. You said, God will speak to us. Uh, I'm again putting my own words to this, but he'll speak to us in the language we understand. Your own language. He knows, yeah. He knows Thomas language and he knows That's Jason it. language. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And he knows Abraham language. And so he, yes. he interacts with, uh, with, uh, I've, I've been teaching this. It's fun to hear you, hear you share because I'm getting so much, but I've been teaching along those same lines that, um, that in his dictionary, uh, his understanding, if you'd gone to devotion at that time, you would have looked in there and seen under devotion, uh, child sacrifice. It was his yep. understanding. It was the language he spoke. And, and so God, uh, here's the, the uh, a thing we say at our house, I don't know, but he's good. Uh -huh. And, um, and uh, we use it a lot because faith or is this, we're gonna believe that he's good regardless of our understanding. We're gonna put our understanding down and above all, say he's good. And so by faith, Abraham goes up a mountain 
um, believing that there's some some greater revelation of, of who God is that's beyond his understanding. I use, I'll just say this, I use Peter because I love Peter going into a garden with Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane and and Jesus says, hey, Satan has asked to sift you as wheat, but I've been praying not that you won't fail, not that you won't screw this all up, not that you, I've been praying for your faith because you're going to go into a garden believing not just, um, well, I, I say it this way, Peter goes into a garden believing you need to be willing to die for Jesus, but also willing to kill for him. And he actually goes into the garden to defend his his ideas of God instead of actually uh, understanding that it operates in, in direct conflict with the with what he's seen Jesus reveal, and Jesus wasn't praying for his um, for his actions. He was praying that on the other side he would he would discover that it wasn't about his love for God, but it was about God's love for him. Yes, and it's even it's even deeper than that. He is not going into the garden to defend his idea of who God is. He is going there to defend his own stance in yes. the universe and in the world. Yes. He he is there to try to find a footing for himself. Yes. Um, yes. And, an, and an identity when Jesus has ripped everything away from him and he's not honest enough to say it. <laughs> <laughs> That's so good. He, he doesn't even tell the truth, right? When it, yeah. And when it comes to the Last Supper, he's because none of them are. If he'd have told the truth, you know what he would have said? He'd have said, Jesus, I don't know if I love you anymore. I don't right. know. I mean, look, I gave up three years of my life for you. And look, I've got nothing left. You took my mm. you took my job. You took my family. You took everything. I had to put it aside three years and we're walking in and it's right there for you to take. And I would have been I would have been somebody. And now I'm nobody. I am wow. nothing. Yeah. And John writes about this and he says, and Jesus said, one of you is going to betray me. And they were all thinking to themselves, is, is it, it me? me? Yeah. Right? Yeah. right? Right? But nobody is saying anything. So so when Jesus says that, what is Peter's response? He he does he's not honest at all. He absolutely hides the truth of how he's at, where he's at at that moment. And he says, I will defend you to the death, right? Yeah, yeah. And what he wants Jesus to grant to him some place to stand, like in and of his own self. So he wants Jesus to say, Peter, come here for a minute. Boys, boys, this is what a friend's really like. <laughs> you know, right, let me right. tell you, if yeah. you want somebody to be have your back, this is the guy, right? This is Peter. I didn't call him a rock for nothing. He is, he is my guy. And right. he just showed you what it means to, to, to absolutely defend me, right? What does yep. Jesus say instead of that? Oh, Peter, you're going to betray me three times. Right. Mm -hmm. Wow. Right? Yeah. And, yeah. and does Peter then say, what the hell? You know, what are you talking <laughs> about? No, he still doesn't tell the truth. And so all it takes is a little 12-year-old girl. I mean, is when you bury honesty and you bury anger and you bury focused emotions, it comes out as snap irritability he cuts a guy's ear off yeah, you know yeah, as if that's yeah. going to resolve yeah. things but it's just like i want to be somebody here you know so yeah. so all i got left is violence that's yeah. that's that's all i got yeah. and um and then Jeez. jesus jesus confronts that yeah and and then it takes just a little 12 year old to say hey i know you you're one of right. his curse right. blaspheme i never knew the guy Mm. Right? right and yeah. you're going like finally he's finally he's willing to say what's 
what's truly happening in his own heart. Yeah, wow. There's a passage that I love that drives people nuts. And that's the one where Jesus says, many will say to me on that day, mm-hmm. we did miracles in your name. We cast out demons in your name. You know, all the things that um, the authority of the gospel that was given to those who went out and, you know, and the 60 and all that. And, yeah. but we did all those things. And it sounds like a charismatic, right? It sounds like a Pentecostal. <laughs> and, and we did miracles. We preached the gospel. We cast out demons. Yeah. And Jesus says, and I will say to them, depart from me into everlasting destruction. I don't know you. Right. right? And we're so hell centered. Sure, sure. We just think that everlasting destruction is about, well, that's it. You're toast. Yep. And, um, and, and that's a rough passage, yeah. you know, yeah. and yeah. you're going like, what's Jesus talking about there? Well, it's actually really simple. He is saying, I don't build a relationship with an avatar. Hmm. I, I do not build a relationship with someone who thinks that their performance is their identity. Mm. Right? Because yeah. that's not even a real person. So I want this imagination of a person to absolutely be destroyed. So that why? So that you and I can actually get to know each other. Wow. Right? That's so good. So much of our prayer life is to tell God the things that we think he wants us to say. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Rather than being honest about where yeah. we're at, like so God, good. are you in me? Like, are you here? Like, are you bigger than this situation that I'm dealing mm. with? I don't, I don't feel like you are. Is there yeah. a, is there a different way that you want me to see this, or do you have anything to say to me? Mm. Or, you know, those are yeah. honest yeah. prayers. That's an honest conversation that you would have with a real person. Yeah, and. <laughs> And it's like, no, we got to so tell them true. all the, the holy stuff, you know, and God's like, I'm out of here, you know, not really, but, but it's like, uh, you know, Absolutely. you know, it's, it's like the old Schultz cartoon where the teacher is going, wah, 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 you know, <laughs> right, and Jesus, right. Jesus is like, I don't understand wah, 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 tell, at least tell me the truth <laughs> right. you gotta, you know, for us oh, to grow it's... in our relationship. You got to tell me the truth. Yeah. That's, that hey, is... hey, Paul, I, I wanted, I had just a thought that I wanted to run by you. And then my oh, wife please. who knew that I was doing this uh, <laughs> was like, you've got to ask him this question. Cause, uh, so, so I'll, I'll ask the question after that, but so much of this conversation, I think, um, reminds me of our need for safety and security. It's, it's so embedded yeah. into who we are. Certainty. Certainty. Yeah. Certainty. Yeah. And we're addicted. I, and, and I think even even conversations, even how, and I know this is a generalization, but how so many Protestants view the Bible is the same way so many Roman Catholics or Catholics view the Pope, right? It's this need for authority and certainty and security, which ironically takes away from this thing called faith, right? <laughs> it takes away from this idea that maybe I don't know what's going to happen. And maybe I'm not really sure what, you know, what's going to happen tomorrow or, or next week or the week after that. And, and, but I think the invitation that Jesus invites us into is walk with me. Yeah. And that doesn't necessarily mean you're going to know what every day of your life is going to look like. Well, G- Jesus didn't. You know, so yeah. you're right. you know, so much of what we do with Jesus is to make him sort of a um, a magical person who is kind of sits in between being a human being and being God. You know, and sure. so that when he when he does the God stuff, it's like, wow, that's cool. 
but I could never do that. Yeah. And, mm. and so we, we just, we impose upon the person of Jesus, something that's in violation of Philippians two, the kenosis, the, the giving away of that God card, right? Mm. Not one time in his life did Jesus pull a God card. Not once. All, all he had, all you think he would. He he said he could. He said he could. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, that's yeah. right. You know what? If if he had, then we'd had to start the whole process all over again. Sure, right? that's right. And so yeah. the yep. deal here is that, like, take for example, he hears that Lazarus's best friend is dying, and what's the responsible thing to do? Is to run to Lazarus as quick as he can get there. Mm-hmm. He takes yeah. days to get there. And it's, if you look yep. at a map, it's like a quarter of an inch. I mean, he's got, it's like nothing. And <laughs> right, yeah. but because he doesn't run to Lazarus, he meets the woman with the issue of blood. He meets Jairus, whose 12-year-old daughter has died. And they become these powerful interactions. Did he know that they would be on the road? Nope, he didn't. He doesn't know anything in terms, he says, mm-hmm. I, I know, I don't say anything unless I hear the father say it. And I don't. I don't do anything unless I see the father doing it. So when he gets to Lazarus and Lazarus is dead and everybody's pissed off at him because he's so slow and, and they had a set of expectations that he failed to live up to. um, He weeps and people go, well, like, well, you know, he's just identifying with uh, Mary and Martha and he knows he's (laughs) going to raise Lazarus from the dead. He doesn't know he's going to raise Lazarus from the dead. He doesn't. He, he, Wow. He is he what you know why he's weeping because his best friend is dead and he hates death because yeah. right. it's wrong right. and it's opposed to everything yeah. that is in his own heart as the person who is life incarnate. And it's like he feels the absence of his friend. He feels the pain and suffering of those around him. But this grief is real. These tears are real. It's not some kind of a yeah. put on here. He is pissed off yeah. and he's angry at death. And then he hears the father say, OK, I want you to stand in front of the tomb. So he does. Hmm. And the Holy Spirit put in his mouth what to say, which was Lazarus come forth. And he and mm-hmm. he was overjoyed when his friend comes busting out of this right. of this place. But it <laughs> caught him completely by surprise. His trust, his faith and action was present tense. It wasn't future tripping mm. imagination of something that was presumed to, <laughs> to happen down the road that, that gave him wow. a sense of certainty. It was the goodness wow. of a God, a father he was in relationship with that allowed wow. him to be present to the moment, whether it was Jairus, whose 12-year-old daughter has died, or Lazarus, who's in the tomb. Wow. And Because he's fully human. Yeah, wow, like, that's so good. Oh my gosh, you know, and, and, and wow. we make a caricature out of Jesus and we don't realize he lives like we're designed to, not apart from right. the Holy Spirit or Jesus oh, or the Father, good. but in relationship to and participation with. That's good. Oh, that's good. Which, wow. which probably wasn't your wife's question. <laughs> no, so here, so here it is. That's so good, though. So... She, her name's Sarah, and she says, can you ask him if the metaphor of the shack was a product of his theology or if the metaphor of the shack was how he thought of God, and then he kind of just wrote down the metaphors as, as it went along? The metaphor of the shack is an expression of my experience. Okay. Okay, so the house, 
The shack is the house on the inside that people help you build, right? Mm -hmm. And for some of us, it's yeah. a habitable place. We, we let people in there. We were affirmed as we grew up. But for a whole lot of us, it is a broken down place. It is our own soul. It is our own broken heart. And it becomes the place where we want to disassociate ourselves from because it becomes the house of pain, the house of shame, the house that are held, that's held mm -hmm. together by lies. Poisons run through all the rooms. We've got all these doors that are shut. Um, uh, shame lives there. And we, are, we, we never want to invite anybody in there because, right. because we are terrified that we will see the look of disgust on their face that we see in the mirror. And so what we do mm -hmm. is we build a facade outside. We don't, we don't want to go back to the shack. We, even though it's our own heart and soul, we're hoping that if we can perform, if we can paint something as fast as we can pick up people's expectations and perform to the expectations of others and to God, then maybe one day the facade will become the real boy. And, mm. and it's like, no, the only way toward wholeness is through. You have to, you have to go back to the shack. You, the unexposed is the unhealed. So you've got to go to the place where you got stuck, where you're broken. And, and that becomes the work of the Holy Spirit to expose you, not to humiliate you, but to expose you because without exposure, there's no healing. And yeah, right. nothing. Healed. No. And that place is designed yeah. to be a center place of community and communion. Right. Yeah. Because, and it's also yeah. the Holy of Holies, the shack is. Right, because yeah. you are the temple of the Holy yeah. Spirit, and so from one yeah. perspective it looks like a broken down place, but from another perspective it looks like this beautiful little house in which the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit dwell, and you don't even know it. Yeah. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah. that's where the metaphor so is. That... So the the metaphor is not so much theological as it was experiential. Wow. Oh, that's so good. That's good. That takes us back around to the beginning where. <clears throat> You, um, I, I love the, the way you're, you, you talk about God because he's, it's just a relationship and, uh, yeah. and he's not pushy and he's gonna, he's gonna wait until you're ready and he's gonna invite you constantly into the place where maybe there's a lie or where there's shame or pain or condemnation. He's gentle, uh, but he's always for the purpose of your freedom and for, for, for the purpose of, of, of relationship, yeah. for intimacy, connection. And God will never be satisfied with, with leaving you where you are. And this is, this is to quote George MacDonald, but this is a God who will not stand idly by while anything that is not of love's kind remains in you. Oh, that's so good. Right? This is a consuming it's, it's, fire God, not just, and that yeah. consuming fire is the fire of love that is opposed to anything in you that is not of love's kind. Yes. Wow. And this is why, that's a great point, Paul, because I think when we, in our circles, when we talk about Jesus and having a high Christology and putting Jesus at the forefront of this conversation, so many people think that we're saying, um, well, you just want 1960s University of California Jesus, yeah. right? You just want a hippie peacemaking Jesus. And we're like, no, <laughs> yeah. that's that there is more to Jesus than someone who's just all about, you know, having a good time. Yeah. I count on the wrath of God. Oh. Right. Because that well, you gotta go now. That wrath is for me, not against me. Yes. Right? Wow. Yes. I, That's, yeah. I count on God as a judge, but not as a forensic judge in a courtroom. 
but the early church yeah. judge who is the great physician, right? Yes. That's a that's, that's a different that's kind of judge. I go to the the yep. doctor. I hope he judges me. He tells me what's mm, broken yes. and what's hurt and what's sick and what's wrong. Oh, that's a <laughs> right. That's such a beautiful. Oh my gosh! Yes. And it's the early church's way of talking about God as a judge, the great physician. Mm, oh. That's where you know the Hippocratic oh. oath is based in. And this is a God oh who will do goodness. no harm. But this this <laughs> God is going to pass sentence. He's going to judge you. He's going to say you have a tumor. So the sentence yes. is, we're going to cut you open and take a piece of your body right out of you, and um, wow. that it, that mm. no longer is is functioning according to the way it was designed. There is something in you wow, that is wrong. Yes. But the whole point of judgment then is restoration and healing. It's yes. not condemnation or punitive retributive justice, right? Because yes. what, what better justice is there to heal the person who is harmed? Yeah. Yeah. Right? And the, and the judgment and the wrath then, Paul, and correct me if I'm wrong, is not directed at personhood and person it's directed at the thing that is keeping you from holding that is correct right? that is correct if yeah if you yeah. trust this is george mcdonald if you trust the goodness of god the goodness of god which you said yeah. is the fundamental lie yeah if you yeah. trust the goodness of god you will run to god with your arms wide open and you will say please come and judge me to the core mm. and burn out <laughs> of me everything that keeps me from being fully human and fully alive Oh, I love it. Me too. Oh, I love it, man. It's the good Shoot. news. I'm telling you, this has been good for my heart and my soul. And uh, uh, I love your um, the high view on humanity that, that we're so worth it. I remember a phrase I heard years ago that I heard a phrase that you're, I'm so worth the blood of Jesus. And, uh, and, it, and it, it bothered me. And yet I knew it was the truth. Sure. And it, and I leaned in and it set me free. Hearing you, hearing you talk about his goodness in such a personal way. And I love what you shared about his, the fact that he's, he was so human. He was, he was an invitation, not just to um, what God looked like or what Father looked like, but an invitation to what we could live like. Yes. Man, that's, that's amazing. It is amazing. It is and amazing. and we, you know what? And we always knew there was something more. We always <laughs> knew there was Amen. something more. Amen. Amen. Yeah. <laughs> Can I ask you a couple of a couple of quick questions? Just yes, to, please. We do. We call this uh, rethinking God with tacos, and, and <laughs> we didn't have we didn't have any tacos tonight. But but for that conversational part, you know, sitting across the table, having. Do you have a favorite taco? Are you a taco guy? I, I'm. Yeah, I like tacos a lot. The hard ones. Yeah. Uh, okay. The, the, me too. The, the soft ones don't do it for me. Yes. And, uh, yes, yeah. Paul. So Jason and I have we, been we having this back and forth that I like hard ones too. So this yeah. is good. This is good. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So, right. um, so you know, give me carne asada and yes. put it in a taco and yep. put yep. lots of you know put tomato and 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 sour cream and <laughs> and and lettuce and I'm so good. That's I'm the good. American version of a taco, but that's a good taco, I know. right? There. I know. That's it's a, a great good, taco. That's a great taco. What about a favorite movie right now? You watching anything? You haven't. I, I just saw Just Mercy. Oh, mm. good movie. And I also saw Knives Out. Yeah, I watched. Which is lot. also, which is <laughs> also great. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, but, but Just Mercy, talk about. I read the book before I saw the movie, and yeah. by Brian Stevenson, and. Yes. It is such a power. And I'm, you know, I've got friends on death row in Tennessee now. 
and because uh, the shack has ripped through prison systems and wow. and wow. I become I become friends with a bunch of guys on death row in Tennessee wow. and wow. some of them who've who've already been executed sadly oh and wow. um, and and some of those guys stories are in Brian's book you know mm. so right okay. so it's just, yeah so just wow. mercy that's that's my most yep. recent yeah that's I cool. love that movie yeah what what uh, this is Thomas here what music are you listening to these days um, I always cycle back around to, uh, you know, to some of the 60s, 70s stuff a lot. Um, right, right, the hippie stuff. You know, there were there was folks back there who knew how to who knew how to write great great music. Oh, absolutely. And, and uh, but Crosby, Stills, Nash and Young, and and uh, but Leonard Cohen, and I'm always a oh, Bruce yeah. Coburn fan. I that's Canadian um, there for you. Nobody knows boy, about Bruce Coburn, man. My goodness, you know somebody who's got what thirty-five albums and oh my uh, yeah, I talk, I bring and, him up all the time. Nobody knows his name. Oh, oh my goodness! Well, it's because Christians can't, you know, they read it and they don't know how to pronounce it, so they, they <laughs> right. They, it's they think they'll get in trouble and um, go to hell or something, you know. And because um, <laughs> when you read it, it looks like Cockburn, and that yes, just doesn't does. seem right. That's, that's you know? the scene. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. So he's Coburn, but but he's one of the best lyricists poetic lyricists i've ever heard absolutely and um so i i cycle through that but i there's a lot of different genres that i like some for a much more limited time i'm i love music so i was a rock and roll disc jockey at ckck radio in regina and i was a disc jockey for four years you know wow and um and i did cjib in vernon and i did cftk cktk up in terrace um and uh so you know, and that was at the height of Bachman Turner Overdrive, and yeah, and, yeah. and you know, a, a lot of great music came out of that time before we hit the eighties, and mm. and uh, <laughs> and then you know, things took a hiatus for a while, and right, right. Uh, we, but we, you know, I love music. I, Me too. I love yeah. you know, you too, and um, and there's a lot of contemporary singers songwriters that that I really I I really do appreciate. It's it's. I find the fringe, the fringe writers uh, that are not inside the community of faith, particularly, yep. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. tend tend to write in honest ways that uh, yes. bridge bridge the worlds better. Yeah. And um, and I'm not oh, a big man. fan of Christian yeah, worship yeah. type yeah. stuff because yeah, yeah. you know because I mean how many songs can you write when you only have 250 words in your vocabulary? Yeah, yeah you're allowed to use. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're just preaching so. to the choir, man. <laughs> I had a band for seven years called Fringe. That was a that was what we did. So ah, nice. It's uh, so uh, a couple of like books you're reading and and influencers. Who are who are what? what... Ooh, great question. Um, I'm I'm. I'm always reading some books, so I'm reading one by Claire Gallison, which is not even published yet. It's a, it's a, it's a beautiful little book. She's from France, and so this is the first English version. In fact, I think I got book number two in wow. English. But there's a book that just came out by a friend of mine who is a world-class um, a violin maker out of Germany named Martin yeah. Schleski. And um, in, in the German... The book is called uh, Der, Der Klang, which is the sound. And in English, it's the sound of life's unspeakable beauty. Wow. And, and, and I'm telling you, that book is a, is a game changer in a lot of respects. But he, wow. he did some things about God 
as an as artist versus a divine planner that is incredibly mm. helpful and he does it he does it inside of his his whole realm of of making world class violins and wow. um, um i mean we could talk an hour about the, <laughs> the concepts and ideas in that um people who are high influencers you know um would include your baxter kruger who i yeah. who brad and i both love and are friends with uh richard Rohr, of course uh, but but also uh, folks like Jacques Ellul that nobody reads, you know, but I love and okay. Kierkegaard that I love and, and, and Rumi, who's poetry. Uh, there's a poet right now that I absolutely adore. He's a, he's a friend. He's in his thirties. He's Aussie. And uh, his name is David Tenson, T-E-N-S-E-N. Oh, cool. And da- David Tenson.com. And you can run into some of the most beautiful poetry, but I'm working with him right now to see if we can get, uh, his first book of poetry published, and, and but he is he is able to say things that would speak to both of you in a profound way, and he's just got he's just the right person at the right time right now, and wow. uh, reminds me a little bit of John O'Donohue, but um, oh yeah, yeah, and wow. but in in a cleaner wow. sort of way uh, yeah. with regard to our experience wow. as uh, as followers of Jesus, without without ever being religious, which is. Right. Right. Really important. Sure. Mm. Yeah. Well, Paul, this has been such a treat for us uh, just to hear you, uh, just to hear you share your thoughts and for us just getting to pick your brain about what you're thinking about and what you're reading about and what you're jiving with. So thank you so, so, so much for taking the time to do this. This is a real treat. Completely Um, honored. Every conversation (laughs) is a two way street. So, yeah. You know, are you, are you, um, are you right? What, I guess maybe the last thing we're, we'll, I am. you're writing now. <laughs> what are you writing? I am. I'm, I've, I'm working on three projects right now. Wow. And, um, three particular writing projects that are my own. And that is one is on this ontology bit. Um, yeah. Wholeness is when the way of your being matches the truth of your being. And oh, I am really fired up about that. I've been watching oh, man. that little conversation just explode paradigms and it's mm. it's so fun so that's one the second one is another nonfiction, and it's the working title is god in the present tense or the art of living in one day's grace and and it's it's like how does trust work and oh, um yeah and one day's and grace i we, want to ask we, that. i love that yeah because we when we touched on it a little bit it's learning yeah. how to only live inside one day's grace Right. Um, my theme for this year, you know, I, I usually get a word for the year. Yeah, that's kind of what the Holy Spirit has been kind enough. But I got a whole phrase, like three words this year, mm. and and they are trust the ripple, mm. and um, and I love that because it means you you don't concern yourself with the outcomes of decisions. Right. You just you 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 be the rock or the stone that's thrown into the still pond, wow. and you trust the ripple. You, wow. you don't try to that's, control where the ripple goes. Wow. You just trust the ripple. That's and, a good um, word. Yeah. And my, so my, my um, story with Brad Jerzak at the very beginning yeah. is a ripple, is a ripple yep. story, right? Yeah, it is. Yeah. And it's like, ah, no, why would you want to, why would you want to try to control that kind of a ripple? Yeah, and, uh, that's amazing. Or any ripple. Oh, I can talk um, about that forever. Yeah. Oh, I know. <laughs> it's, it's a really beautiful thing. My yeah. third, third project right now is, um, is fiction and it is actually because of my relationship with the guys on death row that it opened up a storyline for a sequel for the shack 
Really? Oh, cool. Yeah, because wow. I've got this um, this serial killer, you know, and yeah. Yeah. so it's it's one thing to forgive; it's another thing to then what, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And how do, how does that work itself out in in real life? And what's wow. the intersection between um, relationship with Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, with Trinity, wow. and 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 how that works out into really difficult um, human experience? My goodness, that's incredible. Pretty I. I'll close it here, but I'll just say this. I'm a writer, and I work with my brother. I've actually talked to Lonnie Netter. Oh, nice. And my brother's a filmmaker, so I could talk about writing and uh, fiction particularly and for for days. But uh, I love fiction. But, fiction is creating more space than it uses. Yeah, oh, that's good. <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> yeah. if, if, you, if you turn fiction into nonfiction, that is you plant an agenda inside yeah. of fiction, you turn it into Correct. propaganda, and you lose the yeah. art. Yeah. And, yeah. Um, and, and, and fiction is fundamentally respectful. If it's, if it's fiction and not propaganda, it's fundamentally right. respectful for the listener and the, yeah, and the that's, reader. Yeah. That's, there's a freedom there. Yeah. 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 That's good. I'm investigating that for the last couple of years. So sweet. It's, it's scary for people journey. who like certainty. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's true. Isn't it? Yeah. Well, thank you, man. We're so grateful to have uh, you. Me and, too. And uh, man, just pray blessing and favor over over you. Ah, oh, I received that. I'll, yeah, I'll take that anytime. And, and yeah. May, and, may it uh, return on you tenfold, a hundredfold. Thank you, brother. Thank you, Jason. Thank you, Thomas. Blessings on your day. Hey, guys, thanks for listening to this episode. We hope it encouraged. Uh, we had a lot of fun making it. If you guys want to subscribe to this podcast, please do. We're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify. All of them. Anywhere you might listen to podcasts. And leave a review. Also, if you want to follow us on uh, social media, um, you can go uh, to, uh, I know this man has a Twitter account. Uh, We both do. 160 followers. Nice. It's very active. It's about to skyrocket. Um, And if you want to find us uh, online, we're at afamilystory.org, afamilystory.org. Also, you can reach me there if you want to get a hold of us for any reason at uh, jason at afamilystory.org. We're excited that you guys are on this journey with us and we look forward to releasing more content. Yeah, thanks. See you.